Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day on this uh, beautiful fall morning that the Lord has given us, as we've now come to the 13th Sunday after Trinity. And so I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have that Focused on Christ section, a summary of our readings for the service today. The law cannot help us or give us life. Rather, it confines everyone under sin as wounded and naked before God. So it is the two figures of the law, the priest and the Levite, pass by the injured man on the side of the road. Only the promised seed of Abraham can rescue us and make us righteous before God. Only the Samaritan, our Lord Jesus, had compassion, as did the Samaritans of old. He came down to us in our lost and dying condition, pouring on the oil and wine of the sacraments. He placed us on his own animal, bearing our sin and brokenness in his body on the cross to restore us. Jesus brought us to the inn, that is, the church, and gave the innkeeper two denarii, that is, his double forgiveness might continue to be ministered, that, that his double forgiveness might continue to be ministered to us. In this way, the Lord, by whose law we are torn and stricken, heals us and revives us by his gospel and raises us up with himself. Our service this day is the Office of Matins. As it begins on page 219, we now sing the first hymn. The Old Testament reading for the 13th Sunday after Trinity is from 2 Chronicles, chapter 28. The men of Israel took captive 200,000 of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me. And send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Meshillamoth, Jehizkiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who were coming from the war and said to them, You shall not bring the captives in here. For you propose to bring upon us guilt against the Lord, in addition to our present sins and guilt. For our guilt is already great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes and all the assembly. And the men who have been mentioned by name rose and took the captives. And with the spoil they clothed all who were naked among them. They clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink, and anointed them. And carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys, they brought them to their kinsfolk at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then they returned to Samaria. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 3. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does, it does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, 
who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an, interme an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. <coughs> o Lord, have mercy on us. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The sermon this day is based upon the gospel. Well, all had been well. It was a good day for traveling, and he looked forward to getting home. You see, after a long day, what the man looked forward to most, more than anything else in the world, was seeing that smile on his wife's face, hearing the excitement in his children's voices as they ran to greet him at the door. It was always the best part of the day. However, today would not be like that. In a moment, he heard the sound of hurried footsteps behind him after passing some tall rocks alongside the road. And then the searing pain in the back of his head. Next, the feeling of blows landing until he passed out in the ditch. When he opened his eyes, all was pain in the sight of dust, rocks, and other proof of his condition. He felt he could barely breathe, let alone cry out. 
He heard footsteps at a distance. The pace slowed, but then quickly they were gone. The next time he woke, he heard again the sound of footsteps, only to hear them become distant again. Perhaps he thought he was imagining it. What he did know was that the sun was getting lower and that despite all the pain, he thought most of his family. The next moment of consciousness brought again the sound of footsteps, only this time the stranger came close. And for a moment, the man feared the worst. But then he heard a kind voice. Friend, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to help you. Jesus said, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, Jesus spoke this parable to a lawyer, that is, one who was an expert in the law of Moses. This man was trying to justify himself. We're told very plainly that in the scriptures. Now, at the beginning of his conversation with Jesus, the lawyer asked, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that question revealed a flaw in the lawyer's thinking. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You cannot earn an inheritance. It's not how it works. An inheritance is given. Now, some people think you can, as evidenced by the relatives and friends of wealthy people whose love grown cold suddenly warms at the thought of being included in the will. But nevertheless, the fact remains an inheritance is not earned. It is something given. Moreover, an inheritance is only given when someone dies. Still, the lawyer's question, it weighs on our hearts and minds, doesn't it? Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to the man, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to the man, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But there's the rub. Can you do this and live? Can you perfectly love God and perfectly love your neighbor as yourself? Can you or have you perfectly obeyed God's holy Ten Commandments in thought, word, and deed, always, without fail, from the moment of your conception? Well, you know the answer, or at least you should. And that answer is a resounding no. Even if we were only to accept as evidence to the court your thoughts, words, and deeds since you woke up this morning, the answer is a resounding no. In the beloved hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, stanza three, it confesses this. It was a false, misleading dream that God his law had given, that sinners could themselves redeem and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a mirror bright that brings to bring the inbred sin to light. That lurks within our nature. You see, for all of his expertise in the law of Moses, this lawyer did not seem to know himself, or perhaps more likely he could not bring himself to be honest about his sinful state out loud before the teacher, Jesus. Therefore, desiring to justify himself, he asks Jesus the question, and who is my neighbor? Which leads us then to the parable before us. Now, many well-meaning Christians, they want to take this parable and turn it into a lecture on how we are to love more, as if trying harder to love more is the answer to all of our failed attempts in the past. But you see, that's the point. According to our fallen hearts and minds, we think the answer to our fallen state is to try harder to love God and love our neighbor. 
love more, love better, try harder, do more. This way of thinking is at the heart of American Christianity. Dedicate your life to Jesus again. Be baptized one more time again. Keep giving your life to Jesus. Were you sincere when you gave your life to Jesus? Do it again and again and again and again. You start your day with the best of intentions only to end the day with the total realization of your failure to keep God's law. You see, God's law will always tell you, do this. And you cannot do it. You can never do this perfectly, not even a little, not by a long shot. You can never keep the law and thereby gain eternal life and salvation. God's law reveals our fallen and corrupt state. It reveals our spiritual death. And we think that the answer is to try harder to be alive. Jesus says, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. And our response is, okay, Lord, watch this. And what we should confess is, O Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Therefore, in response to the question, and who is my neighbor, Jesus answers with the parable before us today. Now, bear in mind that the man who fell among the robbers in Jesus' parable is that lawyer that he was talking to, and it's also each of you, whether you realize it or not. Therefore, let's pick up where we left off. After a run-in with God's law, we are left in the ditch. Beaten, bloodied, and drawing our final breath. This is what God's law does. Perfect and good as it is. And it is perfect, it is good, but it can only kill us. Perfect as God's holy Ten Commandments are, they cannot save. So also the priest and the Levite in the parable, they symbolize God's law. They pass by because they cannot save. Now before you go blaming God's law for our problems, remember this. That we were already dead in our sins and trespasses. God's law simply brought this ugly truth to light. Remember that hymn. The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. Or as King David puts it in Psalm 51, Surely I was conceived and born in sin. Painful as it is, God's law reveals our extreme need for a savior from sin, death, and the power of the devil. The beaten man in the ditch needs a good neighbor. He needs one to show him compassion and love, and so do you. So it is, then, that our good Samaritan, Jesus, he came out of compassion, not compulsion, to save you and to save all sinners. Christ Jesus came to you in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your death, and he showed perfect love, perfect mercy and compassion. As the psalmist said, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus came and bound up your wounds, pouring on healing oil as in holy baptism and healing wine as in his holy supper. Your Savior and Good Samaritan, he picked you up. He walked beside you as a servant, your servant. He bore your burden and he carried you to his inn, his church. And there, in his church, you are cared for until he returns to take you to your eternal home in paradise. The place that he has prepared for you and to all who cling in faith to Christ. Until that day of his return, he has tasked his innkeepers, that is, his called and ordained servants, to care for you with the two denarii of his word and sacraments until he returns. Now, notice what the Samaritan says to the innkeeper. He says, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. He left the tab open, folks. 
upon recovering, the injured man could take advantage of the Samaritan. However, the focus is not on the injured man. It is on the good Samaritan, the one who showed compassion on the waylaid man on the side of the road. What we see then is the cup overflowing, super abundant mercy and grace that Christ shows to fallen sinners. You see, Jesus is your good Samaritan. He has done all that is necessary for your salvation. It was he who took your sin and punishment upon the cross. He took your place. Christ, the sinless Son of God, fulfilled the law perfectly, doing what you and I could never do. And then, having fulfilled the law, he suffered your penalty for breaking it. Beaten, bloodied, mocked, pierced, and hung on the tree of the cross, Jesus declared, To Telestai, it is finished, it is accomplished, it is fulfilled. He then bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Now, to the world, this all looks like utter foolishness. It looks like a total defeat. How can God die? Why would the king of kings die for his subjects, especially when his subjects put him on the cross? Such is the marvelous mystery of God's love for sinners. And it's real. And of course, we know what happened next. Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, the stone was rolled away, and it was revealed that Jesus is alive. He is risen indeed. He has won the victory over sin, death, and Satan, and all of this is for you. Therefore, the answer to the question, who is my neighbor, is not what we suppose, because generally we would always say, everyone, right? You see, for those beaten and bloodied by the law, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is your neighbor. Not for you to serve perfectly, not for you to love perfectly, not for you to do good things to in order to earn your salvation, no, but for you to be served by, for you to be loved by, to receive the ultimate good from. You see, Jesus is the merciful one. He is your neighbor. Jesus loves you as himself. He's kept the law for you. Eternal life, again, is not found in keeping the law perfectly. Eternal life is found in the one who kept the law perfectly for you. Eternal life is not found, is not found by you being the good Samaritan, but rather in receiving the care, mercy, and compassion of the good Samaritan, Christ the Lord. Dear saints, this parable was spoken to a man who knew the law and yet was trying to justify himself. I pray that you are not like that today. That you are not trying to justify yourself because it is foolish and it is impossible and moreover it's exhausting. And yet our sinful flesh will always try daily. Now some people think that the act of just coming to church will justify them as though the good work of warming up a pew for an hour a week will impress God enough to let you into heaven. Lord have mercy on us sinners. Pastors, too, we're tempted to believe that somehow we rank better before God because of our service to his church, even though we're paid to be here. Again, Lord, have mercy on us, poor, miserable sinners. You see, were our eyes truly open to the spiritual reality of what God's house actually is, we would be shocked when we came in on a Sunday morning because if our eyes were truly open to the spiritual reality of what is here, we'd look around us and we'd discover that we're sitting in a war hospital, that this is field triage. It's an inn full of those whom Christ the Good Samaritan has picked up along the way, picked up out of the ditch, and brought into this place so that they might receive his healing, his forgiveness, 
his life and his salvation, which he won on the cross and then delivers to us in his word and sacraments. Regardless of why you're here this morning, the significant thing is this. You are here, and so is Jesus. And he is not here to judge and condemn you to death. Christ Jesus is here to heal you, to restore you, to love you and forgive you. And ultimately, he is here to be your neighbor in the truest sense of what that word means. Now, don't misunderstand. Your sins are significant, and he is not here to enable your sin. Your sins are shameful, and they are destructive to you and others. But Christ forgives all repentant sinners out of his abundant mercy. And it is in Christ's mercy that you then have the power to resist and overcome. He has given to you of his spirit and holy baptism. You don't have to live in sexual immorality, wrathful anger, or selfish greed. You don't have to keep making the same old mistakes. Christ Jesus provides a better way, a good way, a wise way, the only way. It is the way of the cross. It is ever and always clinging to the one who is pierced on the cross and risen on the third day. You see, this is what Martin Luther calls the daily drowning and dying that occurs in the remembrance of your baptism. It is remembering who God made you to be in baptism. Remembering that you live every day in total dependence on Christ and in his mercy. Your baptism is your identity. Christ has made you his own, placing his name upon you as you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In his death and resurrection, all things are made new. All things are cleansed and purified. By being joined to his death and resurrection and baptism, you are his. You're God's child. He's called dibs on you and made you holy. Believe that holy truth. Rise daily and die to yourself. Live for Christ Jesus. Rest in his grace, dear Christian. And wait in his hope. You see, whatever reason you think you had for coming to church today, or if you had no particular reason at all, it's just what you do in the end. The real reason is that God the Holy Spirit is the one who drew you here and brought you here this day. The significance of that fact, it surpasses our understanding. You see, Holy Scripture tells us that angels in heaven rejoice whenever a sinner repents, and they are indeed rejoicing today. See, even though we break and forget promises we make, God never forgets the promise that he made to you in your baptism. In baptism, God claimed you as his own dear child, washed you clean of his sin, and again put his triune name on you. That is your identity. I am God's child. And this place, this house, God's inn, is where he wants you to be because this is where he comes to you in mercy, in his word and sacrament, to continually renew you, forgive you, Strengthen you. You see, salvation is not earned by keeping the law. Christ has kept it for you. Salvation is not earned by being good. Christ is your good. He gives himself to you here in his inn of rest, forgiveness, and mercy. Folks, we have to remember that this world is temporary. It's not going to keep lasting. It won't keep going on. Yes, it's the only thing we've experienced, but you see, something much greater is coming. And Jesus, he's paid for all of it in full, and he is coming back. And so until that great day of his return, while the world crumbles around you in a wretched mess of its own making, rest in Christ and his sure and certain promises. Eat his body given for you. Drink his blood shed for you. Hear his living word, which gives you life now and always. Rest 
rejoice and be strengthened by the gifts of your good Samaritan. For these gifts are both a promise and a foretaste of what is to come. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised. Make us love what you have commanded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For grace to proclaim the triumph of the cross throughout the world, the victory of that love which hate could not destroy, and that life which death could not overcome, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In thanksgiving for the holy word and sacraments, that they would be preserved among us, for faithful stewards of God's mysteries, that repentance and the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in Christ's name, and for all the baptized, that they would be faithful confessors of the hope that is in them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our families, that they would be harmonious in God's love and ruled by Christ's peace, that the word of Christ would dwell richly among us, that fathers and heads of household would teach and admonish their families in all wisdom, and that our songs, words, and deeds would be done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ with thanksgiving. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all in authority that they may protect us from violence and evil and faithfully maintain peace and righteousness, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the citizens of our land, that they may love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that they may love their neighbors as themselves, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For God's people, that with compassionate hearts, they may show to all his mercy and love and bind up their wounds with the healing balm of the gospel. And for all who are in need of healing, especially Ron Lyon, Claire and Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who mourn, especially the family and friends of Ron Gibson, that our Heavenly Father would grant them comfort in their grief and grace to rejoice in the reunion to come with those who have died in the faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Most merciful Father, with compassion you hear the cries of your people in great distress. Be with all who now endure affliction and calamity. Bless the work of those who bring rescue and relief and enable us to aid and comfort those who are suffering, that they may find renewed hope and purpose through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. These and whatsoever other things you would have... Have us ask of you, O God, grant us for the sake of Jesus Christ, your only Son, our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, again, good morning to you on this beautiful fall morning that the Lord has given to us. We have a handful of announcements here. Of course, first, that Sunday school and Bible study immediately follow worship this day. And then later on, uh, today at 530 uh, we will be having our second annual Oktoberfest. And so the menu is included there. Uh, Lord gave us rain last night. He's given us clear skies today. Thanks be to God for that. So we look forward to seeing you as you are able at uh, 530 uh, this afternoon or rather this evening. 
Also a reminder that today is the deadline for all those who wish to apply for the Ship and Family Scholarship. If you do not already have a um, an application, get one of those from the Board of Elders and then return it promptly today. Uh, and then also today at Emmanuel Lutheran Church, a sister congregation over in Carrollton, they have their uh, fish fry today at 1130 and all are invited to that. Uh, and as they have here, a free will offering is collected to benefit their youth groups there at the congregation. Looking forward into the week on Tuesday at 930, we'll have our circuit pastors meeting. And we're hosting that here this month in Norburn at Trinity. Uh, that'll be from 930 until the early afternoon. And then new member class that evening at 7 p.m. Wednesday, of course, midweek now continues at 3.30 with workout class at 6. And the choir will then meet at 7. Uh, anything that I may have missed? All right. Um, well, we'll give you uh, uh, news and updates as we have them regarding an upcoming funeral for Ron Gibson. We give thanks to God that in the midst of sorrow, we have peace in Christ Jesus, uh, who has clung to all of us, his beloved people in baptism, and brings us home according to his timing. We continue to pray for the family, of course, and we go forth uh, knowing that we have a deep and abiding joy in Christ Jesus, and that we look forward to that great and glorious reunion on the last day. I'll greet you at the door.